Hi, you're listening to the Monsters of Talk. I'm Margaret Cho. I'm here with my co-host. Hello, I am Jim Short, and we are in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco for Comedy Day. And we have our, our first guest. Yeah, We're here Dan with uh, Dan, I don't know, Dan Dion. You sub, people say it different. They say it Dan Dion, Dan Dion. Some people, it's like a Jason Nardusi. Jason Nardusi. Let me tell you how it's said. Yeah. Dan Dion. Correct, Jim. Dan Dion. You guys are tight. Yes. You guys go way back. Let's talk about that. Why, uh, why are you guys so tight? We, we, why, why are we so tight? Why are you so tight, you guys? It's the yoga. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are tight. No, I know you guys are tight. Well, and, um, I've known Dan on the scene here. Well, Dan is, Dan is a, we've talked about Dan on this show before mm-hmm. because we interviewed Paul Provenza. And Dan, mm-hmm. Dan's book of photographs called Satiristas are yes. so amazing. And Paul did the interviews with, with uh, people like yourself. Mm-hmm. But Dan is an amazing photographer yes. of... Of a lot of he's the mu- you're the house photographer for the Fillmore uh, and and many venues like that. But you was former was I'm former. sorry I'm sorry we haven't talked in a bit. Yeah yeah we'll edit my, my we'll work edit was that deemed, bit out. no my work was deemed not Instagrammy enough. Oh no way yeah no <laughs> oh god like that that's what's going on is I real know, photographers right, now right, are like yeah exactly, we can get a filter exactly, that does what you do exactly <laughs> we think exactly but but Dan has the most amazing comedian portraits mm-hmm. with everyone he's yes. got so many great ones yes and and and, and, and the, the connection with Dan and I is because we've known each other on the scene here for, for years and years is that um, Dan uh, li- when he lived in North Beach, he kept an eye on what was going on in the old space of the Purple Onion. Mm-hmm. And Dan is the guy that really brought comedy back. Or he's the producer that went in there and made sure that comedy came back to the Purple Onion. And he asked me to come in and host the shows. Yeah. Uh, so we had a great run of a couple of years of just doing amazing shows Definitely. at this legendary venue. Definitely. And we got so many great people that wanted to do it just because it was the Onion. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's the whole reason why I wanted to... You know, do something in a 99-seat room that made no money and mm-hmm. was just full-on labor of love, you know? And absolutely sophisticated comedy. Everybody dressed up. It oh, was, yeah. it oh, was like a great. series of, it was like a supper club. Right. Yes. My only rule was that you had to j- dress up. Yes. That's right. I've seen photos of you. You're all dressed up in if a suit. If you look at everyone's yeah, yeah. got a suit on. Yeah, yeah that's t- so nice. Ties. It yeah. Was, yeah. It felt like real showbiz, but it was, but, but the, the feeling of being in that room was so amazing mm-hmm. uh, because it is a great... I mean, anytime you go downstairs in a basement right. mm-hmm. to have a performance, there's already something a little bit dangerous about it. Right? Yeah, yeah, true. But that was Dan. Dan. Dan's the guy that went in there and talked with Mario, the owner, and, and got that off the ground. And, and But his work, you should check out Dan's work because last year he had a great campaign, 365 Days of Comedian Portraits, and he put mm-hmm. them on Facebook and Twitter you could keep going because you have so many great ones but yeah. you, you've, you've photographed I'm, everyone I'm pushing about a uh, 1200 I think now wow comedian portraits that's yeah. incredible uh, but I just got just uh, in July I got one of my like short list legends which at Montreal I got to do Don Rickles Oh shit! Yeah, and he's in a robe with a cocktail backstage. What a doll face! I talked to him on the phone oh, yeah. on Monday. Oh yeah. I did Larry King's show and we were um, talking to him about Joan Rivers, and he was so he was so funny. He didn't call me a hockey puck. Did you get that? No, no. I like I, I and the thing that I posted was that the next best thing to being insulted by Don Rickles was being complimented by him because he's just like, kid, you're great. Oh, <laughs> I think that's only because of the speed of my work. <laughs> <laughs> what a pro! But I love your photo because it is. It's like pre. It's, it's been between shows. You take the pants off, right? Hang them up so they don't get wrinkled, right? And your valet, and you sit there in your robe, and your valet comes and puts them on for you right before you go on stage. <laughs> Does he do? Yeah. 
That's like old school showbiz, right? It's so awesome. He just has this old guy who's following him around and backstage and all and. It was awesome. It was, it was great. I'll he, tell you, he was such a nice guy. Yeah. Oh my god, he was such a great gentleman backstage, and everyone was worshiping him. And he, and he was, he was great. Every time I take my pants off in between shows, <laughs> I get kicked out of the yeah, club. It's not, it's not now, the same. Should I? You know what I think I should do is I think I should go get somebody and bring them back here, and then we'll do a relay. How does that work? Do you okay. think that's all right? Yeah, or we can just, what do you want to do? Do you want to talk um, and then wrap this up? Or? I, I will, no, I will just go grab another person. Okay. And then I'll come right We're back. We're going to trade off a bit because I don't yeah. want to keep you on to this. Though. No, no, no. I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Well, Margaret has gone to go get somebody. It's going to be a mystery <laughs> right, who, who shows up. Dan, we talked recently because we went on the radio, but um, one of the great things about The Onion is we brought in, well, who'd we bring in? We brought in Proops. Durst. Um, you know, obviously, the, the man who showed up. Uh, we had Hawkins. Basically, everyone that I wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know, to, to that came up would do it because of what the club was. You know, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just to be to be performing in the Onion again because it had kind of lain dormant for a long time, and, right. and people had done some music in there and other stuff. Right. But um, but what we talked about, and that's why we're here at Comedy Day, is everyone's sort of celebrating one one big big life, right? Um, but um, around about the time it was in 2004 and I was at Cobbs and I remember seeing Robin and I don't know if you you might have extended an invitation to him as well but I happened to see him in person and tell him we were doing the, the, the onion again and his eyes lit up like a saucer because I think isn't it isn't it alleged that Jonathan Winters played there as well oh definitely he that was the place he played before he lost his noodle and climbed the oh that, uh, oh, that was it yeah, okay climbed All right. the, the um the the mast of the Balclutha. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah, so it's got so when he knew that that uh, Jonathan had you know right. that it was going somewhere that Jonathan right. had played Woody Allen, Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. uh, you know Mort, the, Saul, the Smothers Brothers, he, Phyllis Saul, Diller. Though what I heard later, Saul said that he never played the Onion. He oh, he was never did always that. a hungry eye guy. Oh and, wow! Uh, and so, loyal. You know, even back then, there loyal, was, loyal you know, to Enrico. Right there is the, there was the, those sort of splits. But that but, that night when because Robin came down maybe six months later he yeah. came down in July yeah. after we'd done it and it wasn't even that big of a of a, of a night. No. I think I was on stage and he sli- you, you saw him come in right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, you know obviously we extended the possibility. You talked to him like you know if you want to go on stage it's like no no just hang in the back. He just, just wanted to kinda, watch. Like, okay, just like you would do sometimes you know he doesn't always want to get up mm-hmm. and it's like. In no time. <laughs> well, I remember looking around the room and he was gone because he was sitting in the back, right. in the back uh, 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 little s- section there. And then he comes out of the men's room and he comes up to me and he says, well, this is the best room in town. <laughs> this is the best room. I mean, he was so, you could tell that the urge, like he right. couldn't sit there yeah, and just watch this yeah, go by. Exactly. And he asked me if he could go on stage. Yeah, and I, I said, guess. absolutely. Right. And um, he was under a time crunch because his car was in the parking lot and it had to be out by 11. Right. <laughs> otherwise, it would get locked in. But do you remember the set he did? Because you know we've seen Robin yeah, perform so many times right. in San Francisco. He went up and he did, he did a stream of conscious. You know when people and his talk Italian about stuff yeah, what what when people talk about when they saw Robin in the seventies and he went right. up there and he just invented this whole right, thing. Right. He, he incorporated the Beat Poets, Christopher Columbus, uh, North Beach, the strip clubs, right. and then he was doing stuff in in pure Italian that had right. Mario and all the busboys. <laughs> Doubled over laughing because right. it was real deal jokes in Italian, <laughs> and that was—I think—that was the the greatest performance I ever saw of his live, because it was just so you could tell it was just made up at that moment. Yeah, well, there are times you know if you see true improv or you see something mm. you know something that happens that just couldn't have been planned. You know, there's 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 the illusion that comedians can give that they're making up 
it on right, the spot, right. which is just part of the art. And then form, you see him you know? a couple of times later, and you go, and you go oh, wait a "Oh, that's kind of a, m- right. a mechanism right. and whatever right. like that." And I see where the bridge went to this thing was not really totally random. Right, they right. got to where they wanted to go by making it seem like it just happened, right? But that, but what we saw that night couldn't have been. It's not like he has his. Italian beach, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, uh, uh, you know, stripper material there. Chunk. Isn't, isn't that amazing okay. that the, that's in his head and it came out, but it came out seamlessly right. that night. Yeah. And then the thing is, I'm over there giving him the light because he said, give me the light at a couple of minutes to 11. Right. So it looks like I'm there like going, Lighting. Robin right, needs Robin. to get off yeah. right now. <laughs> you need to, we're done with you, right, move right, along. Right. But Come he on. didn't want his car towed right, right. Or, or impounded, right, you know, right. in, in, a, in, a, in a garage overnight. But it was, I think that was, uh, that was, you know that was just the beautiful thing because you got to see him around so many places but to see him right. in our place, place it felt like it was our little sort of gig right, you right. know and he came down there and it was such an amazing amazing and show and the one night I didn't bring my camera yeah, I know right <laughs> I know you just use somebody's <laughs> little uh, yeah, yeah. this is 2004 it's yeah, not like everybody had a phone right, right. With, a, with a camera yeah, it was Leah Eva's phone I think that I used uh, but yeah or not phone or, or, or point and shoot yeah but uh, yeah that was uh, very ironic <laughs> and, you, and, b- and you shot uh, a lot of photos of so many people. You shot Robin, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Photograph Robin. Yeah. Uh, there was some. He just great came and sat for me. You know, that was just kind of part of what he, who he was. He just came and sat for me once he saw my work, just to be a, a part of the collection. Mm-hmm. The same reason why Seinfeld did it. Yeah, it's just he sees it and says yes because he wanted to be part of the group, not yeah. Uh, you know, a standout in the you know the most expensive house in the block. You know, or like the right the marquee. It's right. like, no, I just want to be part of these people, you know. What What is, uh, it's probably hard for you to even say this, but what What are some of your favorite, uh, not people that you've, that you've taken photographs of, but some of the, your favorite photos that you have of them? Oh, actual ones? Um, well, my, probably my favorite photo of all time is, is George Carlin. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's because, there's so many factors into that of the fact of, of, of who he is, what he meant to me as a kid, yeah. what he, you know, as part of a relationship with, with, with my dad, who, like, loves George Carlin, we both love him, and, uh, and then to have him, um, like, call me up and ask me to buy a print of it, insisting right. that he paid for it. That's right. Just would not take a freebie, and saying that it was the photo that he wanted to be remembered by three weeks before he died. Wow. And then, and then they, they played it, had it at his funeral and everything. That's, that was something. That's uh, pretty. That's pretty heavy, and that's a know, great testament to you, to your work and and everything as well. And and I mean, it's like someone that was a, you know a, a Beatle maniac having John Lennon, you know, right, right before, right be, before. Right yeah. before. Can you can you do a photo yeah, for exactly. me and Yoko? Yeah, right here. <laughs> I'm going we'll to take Dakota my clothes off. But you're yeah, all right, on, but this guy right. wants to say hello to me. <laughs> uh, I love your. Um, I also love your uh, your portrait of Lewis Black, which oh. is almost uh, an accident the way it happened, right? Or not no, planned. No. Yeah, it was it was planned, but it was it, it had oh, to it be. Okay. Yeah, it had to be. It, it's a it, it's a double exposure shot on actual on actual negative film, where I dragged the shutter, and so it's got a ghost image of him flipping you off. It's but so gotta, gotta, it's so look brilliant. At it. And uh, every, like almost every time I see Lewis, he's like, "That's my favorite photo of myself." <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty cool that you have for many people the favorite portrait. That, that of means them. more to me than anything. Yeah. And uh, you know, I didn't I didn't find this out until way later that the portrait I did of Jonathan Winters. He loved it so much they put it on the cover of his memorial invitation. Really? Yeah. That is great. Everyone, where, where, where is your, you've, well, you can check out your website. Right, uh, which is dandion.com. Um, we just recently wrapped uh, all of Cobbs, too. 
So we put up these big 16 by 20 you have images. A, you have uh, exhibitions. Well, you yeah. have an exhibition at yep. Montreal most yep. years. Yep. And in many clubs, you yep. have standing uh, right. exhibitions in Gotham, the gallery. Gotham in New York. Punchline here in San Francisco. Um, now Cobbs is my is one of my favorites now because it's all 16 by 20 pictures, all individually lit. Oh, that's it's beautiful. Brilliant. brilliant. Um, all those pictures are taken at Cobbs. Um, and then... Uh, Apparently, my work is still up at Sydney. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Years later, they still have it up at the comedy store there. <laughs> With your permission? Or is yeah, it, oh, no, oh, they bought good. it all. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's no, good. Great. Oh, that's when great. I went down there, they treated me very well. It was great. And you have, a great, you have a great one of Proops as well. I could keep oh, telling you how oh, many great oh. ones you have, yeah, but your one of Proops is amazing, too. Early, early favorites where he just looks like this yeah. black and white movie star with a cigarette. And yeah, just like, it's, it's just so stylish. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a sort of crafted image well Dan Dion great it was great Jim to Short. chat with you and uh, I'm sure Margaret we'll talk Cho. to you in a full show at some point but yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, we will. we're just remembering everyone and talking to everyone here at Comedy Day we just today. love you yeah. when we wanted to say hi I love you too thanks hi. Dan a great photograph of Margaret as well that's a great one mm. with that itchy poncho yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really itchy but it was quite glamorous and the martini yes thank you we're here with assemblyman and comedian Tom Amiano. Yay! What is that? What is that? What is the exact office? Uh, it's it's assembly member. It's a part of the legislature. It's it's by Carmel. Uh, no pun intended. And <laughs> no references uh, to be taken. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm in the assembly, which is the the bigger <laughs> mm -hmm. house. And then the Senate is the other house. And so I've been there for six years. Mm -hmm. And uh, now uh, I am termed out. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty soon, and we'll be looking for other things to do. Wow! But uh, it's been great. Wow! All of it's been great. Even the bad stuff has been great. How is that? <laughs> how is that? Um, do, did you make the transition into? I mean, it's not really a transition because you still do comedy, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you know how it is. I mean, if it's if you have the proclivity and it's part of your nature, you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know how you hone it. Do you make it a profession, or do you just integrate it? You know, I tried a little bit of both, and. Um, uh, been very lucky with the political part of it mm -hmm. where uh, you know I haven't sacrificed that much about who I am yeah. um, but you know all comics I think people underestimate the brain power of comics yeah. sometimes that's right. sometimes that's because of the material and you know that's what people are playing what yeah, whatever right. you know call Dr. Phil you know I'm busy <laughs> but, uh -huh. uh, uh, and so it, that's worked Mm -hmm. And so in that way, I feel uh, very gratified. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's really wonderful. And you have been coming to Comedy Day um, for many years. I remember seeing you at the band show. Yeah, 32 years, they said. Not yeah. Who's counting? So here's what happened today. Um, one of the first comics was a, was an out gay young man, mm -hmm. and he was very very funny. Mm -hmm. I told him I'm going to steal his jokes because what's the best compliment? <laughs> that is the best compliment. And I just I just enjoyed him so much. So Josh, who uh, does the band and has been here mm -hmm. for the whole 35 34 years, said, "Do you remember your first time?" Mm -hmm. I said, "Oh yeah." He said, "Well, there's a tape of it, and so you're up there, you know, doing the gay being out and gay and doing jokes. So you can see ice being thrown at you on the video." And people yelling "faggot, faggot, oh faggot." So, but the part that always works for us uh, is, I had a line. I said, "Oh, Mr. Faggot, to you, you know, not a oh, joke that's yeah. going to reduce the Western world to hysterics, but it worked, yeah. and you know, it showed that you know, uh, whatever 
whatever the deal, it kind of fits. Right. And so, and then uh, because this is Robin Williams Day, Robin Williams was there, and uh, so was Ellen DeGeneres. Mm -hmm. She was not out, and she had not made it yet. Yeah. Um, but she pointed to a Volkswagen she was taking, packed to the gills. I'm going to L.A. to try to make it. So, mm -hmm. unfortunately, nothing ever happened to her. Yeah, it's so <laughs> sad. Never heard of again. Oh, Ellen, you know, I don't know. So I don't know. <laughs> But she had she had a full bucket of ice after she, she picked it up did. off the stage. She did, so. and a big strap on. No, she didn't <laughs> do that. <yet. laughs> but then I I think for me, San Francisco comedy is really. I mean, there's something very emotional about it. But I'm here, and it, I'm so. I don't know, like. I think everybody. It's a comedy, but it's, everybody's a little sad today. I think so. I think, um, uh, Mr. Williams, of course really was a major benefactor yeah you know because you know comics they're a little dizzy about keeping their books you know right. so um, he always came to the rescue with the white with the white hat mm -hmm. he also was so supportive there are a lot of people got really nervous around him and mm -hmm. you know I'm trying the first time and he never had a bad vibe you know he never saw all about Eve you no, know no, no. <laughs> he had that um, part of it I think was uh, I, I often thought that um, he did have a humility, right. not, to, not to make him a saint, but, you know, people were saying you're great and then you don't think you're worthy. I think that was a struggle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that yeah. was a struggle for him. But yeah. man, was he brilliant. He man, was, was it, you know, he did an imitation of me. Oh, And did. I was a little worried about it. So uh, uh, we ran into him, Cleve Jones and I, you know, the other big gay queen icon. Yeah. And we said, well, we heard you imitate Tom. And he goes, well, yeah. So we said, well, do it. So he did it. It was so wonderful. It was politically incorrect, totally inappropriate. And we were, we could, we were laughing so hard, we almost peed our pants. Oh, my God. That's his gift. Yeah. He turned the tables. Right. Mm -hmm. He yeah. was able to that do that. That was really wonderful. What, yeah. what was the first time you ever saw Robin? Uh, you know, at that band shell in person uh oh maybe a mork and mindy you know as a, you know not not in person uh -huh, but yeah probably something like that would have worked i just thought he was darling and yes. the whole premise was great yeah. it was so sweet yeah but he really had that ability to just make people laugh beyond like it, it just you just like doubled over yeah i think he was an actor yeah a lot of a lot of comics are mm -hmm. you know he, but he was able to embody so many people and everything well you couldn't take it, it like too quick right as, as just, it was wow. a negative yes. because he really just did just give back what that person was he, he left you breathless and then he went on right <laughs> yeah right. and uh, and then some of his movie parts i thought were uh you know really portrayed a, a depth uh, I like that one in Zambia because it was spooky and that freaky. Brilliant? But, you know, uh, Good Morning Vietnam. You know, I was in Vietnam at that time. Oh, wow. And I, I knew of that guy. Oh, wow. And what uh, I thought Williams did, he just didn't do the cartoon. Yeah. He did the nuances. And if you listen to it every day or as, as most GIs did, you know, I think it was military radio, uh, you knew those nuances. So yeah. he didn't do that um, broader version. And I thought that's that's where he's... You know, another movie I really liked, nobody else liked, was Jack, you know, where he played a disabled guy. Mm -hmm. I knew people were going to hate that from the minute mm -hmm. it started. But mm -hmm. I, I loved how he embraced that. And I thought Jennifer Lopez, hot, hot, hot. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I love is um, a really odd one, 24-hour 20, photo, or one-hour photo. One oh, photo. But the creepy guy. The creepy guy with the photo. With the family. Was it the family? Yeah, with the family. <laughs> and he looks at the pictures. The he Joneses. Was so great. <laughs> he was that. perfect. And it's so scary. It's like a really, really scary movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, But it's just so sinister that he could do anything. Sinister is a good word. I love stuff yeah. movie. But that he did it made it even more, Yeah. Uh, you know, Pal powerful, really. Palpable. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I'm excited to see your set today here. Yeah, oh, God. 
Yeah, we'll do our best. You know, the old guy. I got a lot of jokes from the museum. I dust them off. <laughs> you know, here's what did somebody? Oh, here's the deal. So you have old jokes, but you know, the initial people have all died. Yeah. And the new people have never heard them before. Right. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's perfect. Okay. Well, I'm so proud that I got to talk to you. Thanks so much oh, for yeah, coming. Oh yeah, back at you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you. Got to go on right now. It's really uh, pretty soon. Pretty soon, one fifty, something like that. Yeah. You know, they're ahead of schedule. They are. Yeah, I don't know why. Okay. Well, let's all walk down together, and we'll see who else is out there. All right. Let's all right. Go. Let's go. I want all y'all. Oh, me too. Yeah. All right. Just pipe in whenever you feel it. I can't believe that um, you hadn't met Barry before. I'm not sure if I... I'm not I, I know, I, I definitely know Barry. I might have met you one time when I was visiting uh, with Jim and when I was hanging out with Kevin Kataoka, but... Um, okay. Yeah, what's, it's all right. What's your name? Jim. Jim. Jim yeah. Short. Jim Short. It's okay. Yeah. 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 Well, well, we just met like five minutes ago. Okay. Hi, my name is Jim Earl. What's your name? Maybe there's Jim <laughs> Nice to meet Maybe you, Maybe there's Jim. another Jim Short or something. We like introduce, introduce your lady friend here, too. This is... Jennifer Tool. Hi. Jennifer Tool, and, and uh, so you guys can all pipe in whenever you want. There's no rules. All right. Jennifer's uh, uh, family used to hang out with the Beatles at the uh, Cavern well, they, Club. They met them like a few times in the ca at the Cavern. That's tremendous. Yeah. It's the best thing we have going and coming from Liverpool. Are you, is your family from it? Are, are they, are, do they have an accent like that? Do they oh, have yeah. that northern Scouser. accent? Yeah, they're all a bunch of Scousers, and my family there are still kind of rough and Awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I I uh, I, I uh, met Ringo Starr one time, but he introduced himself as Richard. Yeah, Stark. So Starky. No, just Richard. Richard. You could just say Richard. It's like go with Ringo. No. Like it's, it's, like you, it's a, what you've got. Go with it. He's really <laughs> sweet. And then I I kissed Paul McCartney one time. Actually, no, he kissed me one time. Really? Me too. Yeah. <laughs> He's a he's a really wide-ranging taste. He's a very he's a very sloppy kisser, right, Barry? Uh, yeah, lots of tongue. It's, uh, I'm getting all the microphones pointed at me. I know. It's just Jennifer Tool, by the way, is not related to the act, the tools. She's no. not, not in that act. <laughs> no. The tools. The tools. Remember no how one we, remembers. We used to bring up the, the comedy tool. team of... Uh, or Tool. Or the Tool. Or, or Tool, the band Tool. Or the band yeah. Tool. She's not in the band not Tool. Not related to the band Tool. No. We used to bring on the Take Tools. No Grease up your nuts. It's the Tools. Now, Link and Earl are a legendary comedy duo from San Francisco, and we are all here together here at Comedy Day. Um, can you remember times that you performed here? And comedy Day? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What, uh, happened, uh, what happened? Well, I can remember one where maybe it was Jim reminded me of it, where we went up and we asked the entire audience for the date and then claimed that we had been rejected by 10,000 people. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. 10,000 women. 10,000. Did we ever do the Elvis farting bit here? I don't think so. <laughs> That's a good bit. Yeah, it's the, uh, well, it's, I would do an impression of Elvis and Jim would make farting noises. And if we ever do comedy again, comedy day again, that's, that will be probably my first suggestion. Was it jumpsuit it Elvis or young Elvis or leather Elvis? Um, or not, was that not really specified? With, I start with Love Me Tender. Oh, it was actually older Elvis. Yeah, the premise was, uh, not, not many people know that, yeah, but everyone knows Elvis died on the toilet, but... This is because he had a horrible gas condition. <laughs> yeah. Thusly, is this bit. Yeah, and then I would just do an Elvis impression. I guess older, fatter Elvis, because it's you know near well, the end when he had the gas. Why don't you sing one line and uh, we'll... Uh, okay. Yeah, how did it go? Love me tender, love me do. All my dreams fulfilled. <laughs> 
Oh my darling, I love you. And I always will. Love me tender, love me do. And it's <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much yeah, it. But it I, you know on. what? I, the, my fa- okay, this is my favorite part about it is that I like how wet it sounds <laughs> because it sounds like it's like it's like his asshole's getting really burned. Like he had like he had a lot of jalapenos or maybe dairy. What doesn't banana, agree with him? There's a lot of a lot of oil in his diet. Yeah, a lot of pina- peanuts it. and <laughs> banana and sandwiches. bacon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you got peanuts and bananas, and then it's all fried, and there's a lot of oil in there. By the way, thanks for bringing it down to your level, uh, Margaret. <laughs> I know. We had a perfectly nice, high-toned Elvis farting bit going. But, you know, these guys, I've known these guys for um, 27 or 28 years, and they've never changed. I love them. Barry used to drive us around. And Barry, I don't, I don't mean... What's the story that um, that Jim told us on Jim's episode of the podcast, driving around in Barry's car? I never told you. What, what happened? <laughs> uh, right, going drive, to a gig, Reno. Uh, in Reno. What happened? Oh, when uh, uh, oh, I was driving, and and and, and Bob Fisher and, and Dave Feldman were in the back, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they kept flicking my ears mm-hmm. and giving me orders. Mm-hmm. And it was on uh, Feldman in particular. It was on I-80, and I just said, all right, that's it. And Drive, s- puppet. Yeah. And I stopped right on the freeway. Yep. And I and got out. to Feldman to get out. You know, I, <laughs> I, opened his, I opened his door. I said, get the hell out. Yeah. And he's get just out. looking at you like, what? Huh? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Kept flicking yeah. his ear. Because we had a... You, don't flick Jim's ear. No, don't do that. You were you were going to ask me a question or something? I can't. Well, you, you took us to so many different places. We wanted to talk about again because we, we, you weren't there. You took us to that... Um, was it called Backdrop? What was that S&M uh, club? That yeah. was, it was Backdrop, I think. The yeah. S&M club. He took us to his S&M because he was writing a story. You were writing a story for the Contra Costa Times? Uh, or, East, Bay, East Bay Express. Yeah. I remember, I'll tell this story because okay. I remember this. That's, that's, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Well, yeah, because... Margaret was still very young, um, and uh, I was writing the story. I mentioned, you know, yeah, they're going to have an S&M slave auction. They're going to sell each other, you know, for play mm-hmm. money and that kind of thing. And so uh, Margaret's like, hey, can, can we go? And, you know, you know, and I talked to the, the, the guy in charge of it, more the merrier. So we go in, and, and the bidding is starts, but the, um, the guy running the thing, and I forget his name, Stands up at a certain point and says, you know, the bidding isn't really going the way it should. I, I don't know what's going on. You guys aren't really getting into it. And what was going on is you had like maybe two or three middle-aged, overweight women, a bunch of guys, and a 21-year-old Korean woman. <laughs> and they're all glancing at Margaret like, is she going up on the... Is she going to be going... Is she going to be going up for the bidding? And they're all saving their play money for her. Yeah, she never. We ruined the whole evening for everybody. We wrecked it. Um, a, really, we wrecked. We yeah, wrecked yeah, my an S&M slave auction. That's when I turned. <laughs> this, that's when I turned to Barry and I whispered, "Let's leave Margaret here." <laughs> <laughs> this probably, is the kind of thing you probably did. That happened. You guys did a lot of stuff with the erotic community. Um, I remember oh, yes. that one erotic, year or erotic, several erotic several ball. years. You, you, you several years you hosted two. the exotic erotic ball. I think it was two years, but there were several exotic erotic balls. I think we like had two of them. Four of them. Four of them. We did four of them all together. Yeah. They, they was they, they were one these at Halloween, one New Year's. You would think they would have these now because it's basically like Comic Con but with fucking. Yeah. You know, like it was like Comic. It was, it was Comic Con. It might be, but maybe we just—I don't. Since I'm not here, I don't know. It was run. 
It was oh, good. run by the Ma- New York Mafia. Was it? Yeah, Lou Abalafia. Uh, Lou Abalafia. There, there was some East Coast money that came from somewhere uh-huh. that supported the thing. And then when you were actually there, there were like nine different stage managers. I didn't know what any of them did, but the acts were never on. Nobody was ever where they were supposed to be. Uh-huh. Um, and lots of people were. So Just nobody ever for nobody while. ever listened to us. No, except for one time when it was uh, uh, New Year's, and, and and I said, "Well, hey, you, uh, you know what? It's time to set your clocks back. You know, you know what happens when you do that? One extra hour of eating pussy." <laughs> <laughs> That was the only time they ever. Only time they liked us. That was our only laugh. Four, four, four exotic erotic balls. And the beautiful thing is, you don't even set your clocks back on New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, you know what it was? There, there was no logic. They weren't going, well, then wait a minute. Yeah, they were just like, we get actually, to eat some more pussy. It wasn't one hour back, but it was some kind of time adjustment, like a second, like a one second adjustment <laughs> for something. I can't remember. But I remember, well, no, it was, I was listening. I was there, and then Jovanka was there. Yeah. And then I was confused because you and Jovanka made out. Do you remember? Yes, we did. On stage. On stage. And I was really like, but they're not going out. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. Like, I was 21 and I was like, really, I was offended because you guys weren't a couple well, and you were making out. And I was like, really freaked out. Well, then what happened next was I make out with her. And I knew Jovanka. I knew her pretty well. And then the, I turn around Apparently. and there's one woman I've never met in my life. Mm-hmm. Just naked and just plants her mouth right on mine. Like... What? what? And then you remember the <laughs> lactating stripper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, oh, yeah. Uh, her lactating milk was uh, uh, sprayed in the first uh, 16 rows. Yeah, a fine sort of. <laughs> yeah, uh, mist. Crowd. Yeah, fine mist. This fine. We should bring mist. her back because there's a drought. She's like the Gallagher. The Gallagher. Yeah, yeah she yeah. was totally yeah. the Gallagher. The first, a Gallagher the first stripper. Couple of rows have to wear plastic sheeting. And yeah, yeah. And then As Captain he, Don was there. Oh, Captain, oh, Captain Don, the Captain Don who was the sword swallower and tattooed Captain guy. Don. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very famous guy. Too, yeah, he was, yeah, he was very big um, in the sword swallowing community, quite well known, actually. Well, we'd, we'd introduce him and then we'd uh, narrate what's going on <laughs> while he's uh, swallowing swords. Uh, we'd make these sounds. <laughs> after, and he's, you know, he's skinny, full of, covered with tattoos. And after swallowing swords, Don, Captain Don will regale us with stories from his days at Yale. <laughs> oh, that was your Captain Don. Captain of what? <laughs> I know what is he the captain of. He's dead now, right? That's what I hear. Oh wow. He's he's I um. I hear that rumor. One tattoo yeah. uh, too many. Well, a little bit. Yeah, Maybe I, I want to know the cause of death of that one. I would well, be curious. Could be a lot of things. Scurvy. Yeah. Natural causes. Natural causes. A lot of sword cuts. Hepatitis. There's one. Could be all kinds of things. Uh, Dirty sword. <laughs> Keep the ball going. I, I How to d- say, I feel like you could have made that sound effect for about half of the acts that during that. Show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, swor- the swallowing act. How did you guys meet Margaret? Uh, she was doing open mics at the Holy City Zoo. <laughs> uh, uh, she was in, she a, in, a, in a group called, what was the, the improv group you were called? In? Batwing Lubricant. Really? <laughs> I didn't even know... But, no, 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 it was Crash and Burn. <laughs> Crash, Crash and Burn. Burn. Crash oh, and Burn. Familiar, Crash yeah. and Burn was with Laura Milligan, John Bauman, Greg Barrett, a woman named Maria who died of AIDS. Really? Uh, don't remember her. A bunch of other people I cannot name, I don't remember. No, only Maria died of AIDS. The beautiful uh, Filipino boy. Oh, Ken? Kennedy Cabasaurus, of course. Kabisaris. Of course, uh, Kennedy Cabasaurus, yes, the beautiful Filipino boy um, who. Uh, 
He said that. He said like that, like a world's first class sex traveler. <laughs> well, it's Jim Earl, of course. That's right. Some authority on the topic. Yes. I've been to Tijuana. Oh, beautiful boy. But he is a beautiful boy, and he's now he's an aerialist. Yeah, I see so that. his body is even more fine and taut and muscled. <laughs> um, you don't. I I swear to God, at least I'm not even exaggerating. At least 100 men have asked me about the sexual availability of Kennedy Kavasaris. We used to introduce him on stage as he will, you know, if he ever goes to prison, you'll never run out of cigarettes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 101 yes. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is the most requested of anybody I've ever um, met, male or female, um, gay or straight. He is, uh, and people come to me like I'm some kind of asshole booking agent. <laughs> if I could see if, if he's got an opening, get if you know it. what I mean, get it. Yeah, we'll uh, uh, an opening for his nice. opening. Was uh, there yeah. an opening in his opening or for his opening? See, we were we sorry if we speak really ridiculously. We were just with Barry Sobel all weekend, mm. <laughs> so we were, we're we're using all of his callbacks and um, tags. Like I uh, yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. Wait for it. Wait for it. He's so uh, he's callback centric. Mm. So he'll be here later, and you'll see what we mean. I see. So uh, yeah. We, uh, yeah, we first met you at Rose and Thistle and Crash and Burn. That's right. Oh, Crash and Burn used to play at Rose and Thistle. That's, yeah. okay. That's yeah. right. And then um, I did a lot of sets at the zoo, and then I lived across the street from the zoo with Kennedy Cabasaras. Across the street? I had an apartment like on... On Clement? Yeah. Well, no, it was on 5th. Oh, on 5th. Okay. So it was all, all the corner catty corner from Toy Boat, actually. Okay. So it was probably above um, the coffee source that turned into a coffee place, but it was maybe okay. like a Vietnamese place over there. Okay, um, it But is, it was well. there, um, and I lived there for, I guess, about three or four years, something like that. But I knew you before you moved into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, yeah. at your, uh, your parents' place. Yeah, I was with my, with my parents in the sunset. Yeah. Jim went there too, right? Do you ever go to my parents' place in the sunset? No. Or my place? Never, never made it there. But my place in... Play, not to my places in San Francisco. No, by the time I met you, I think I was moving. Yeah, you were, you were done. You were yeah, so was I, already, I was already living in L.A., maybe, at that point? Uh, no, no, you might have been... Well, no, you might have had your own place when I met you, but I never went to your place up here. I wonder where I was living. That's so weird. I can't even remember. Where I you were living I, when you... I remember I was like... There, there was like a period I was like kind of in like staying at my parents' house, which is not too far from here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I had an apartment that was actually on Ashbury. So, oh, and then I had this fucked up place that was in a, um, a kind of a monastery. It was like a monastery that was adjacent to the hospital up here. That was really weird. Okay. In the McAllister Baker area. Yeah. It was on, it was right there. So I've lived in some really weird spaces up here. But um, we, we've come back to just, you know, say hi to our roots. And I think I'd like to take us back to the party. We should go back to All Comedy right. Day and try to... Score some weed? We will. I think, I think I'm all right <laughs> on, that, on that front. People just throw it at her. No. Thanks it's for holding gold. out, Margaret. I think it holds, uh, grows out of her hair at this point. Yes, it does. But I, I, I mean, I'm really glad that you guys are here. I cried during the Robin tribute, even though it was just announcements. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear any of it. Yeah. It was like on the side, but I still cried, and somebody brought me a napkin. It was nice. Well, I felt stupid. It's because you also had mustard on you. 
Yeah, nobody wanted to say anything. Nobody, nobody I was wanted to mustard. say anything. It was really sour. Yeah, the, the, tear, the tear is lower. Now, down by, down by your chin. It's right here. There's a tear right it's there. It's here. That's, you got it. You got it. it, yeah, it um, but, uh, yeah, let's go back to Comedy Day and see what happens. All right. Okay. Okay. Looks like a young member of Pink Floyd. We're going. Yeah. Did you hear what he said? Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, like um, um, well, I'm not that young, though. You look young. I got one foot in the grave. <laughs> so... Who could we possibly be speaking to? Larry Bubbles that's talking Brown. Like that. Larry Bubbles Mwah. Brown. <laughs> hold it up a bit. Hold it. Up okay. I'm, I'm I'm giving you the hold it up signal, yeah. which is also like blowjob signal. Thirty years in the business, I still don't know mic technique. That's <laughs> no. It's just that we don't have any sound board okay. to, to to amp it up. All so right. Yeah. yeah there you go. I'll try to speak clearly and Larry concisely. A legend. In, in comedy, a legend means you've done comedy for three decades and no one's ever heard of you. <laughs> There's a lot of legends running no, around. You are, you are so quoted by so many people. Really? You, aren't you in books? You I hear that. The, in books? the nicest thing I got last week, I found 19 years after the fact, uh, the mid 90s, Drake Sather called me. He was writing for the Larry Sanders show. Mm -hmm. He said, Hey, we worked your name into the script. And I'd never, I'd always thought about this. And then last week, I was up with my sister. She's got the full set of the Larry Sanders show. Oh, cool. And there's an episode where Hank buys a horse, and the name of the horse is Bub's a Winner. <laughs> so I felt, Aww. yeah, I felt really cool. Then at the, the end of the show, uh, Bub's a Winner was in his first race. He was ahead by 19 links. Then he freaked out and jumped over the fence and ran onto the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of followed my career. So. <laughs> He's a bit bubbles. You remember Drake Sather, a great writer? We were just, we were talking, just talking about talking Drake about yeah. With, yeah. Uh, with Barry, Barry Sobel. Yeah. Yeah. You can't believe it. Everyone I like dies. It's sad. That That's kind of weird because both of us are alive in yeah. front of him. No. <laughs> so now I feel like, like okay, anyway, who else is here to chat to? Uh. No, no, no. Isn't it, but is this year especially, so many so many comedy people have passed away. I know. Well, we're getting out of day. You guys are still young, but, uh, you know, you hit 60, it's over. So mm -hmm. anything can happen. Yeah. 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 What uh, which ones have hit you kind of hard this year? Well, Robin really absolutely floored yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. He'd done so many nice things for me, and I heard you started thinking after he died. I started realize, God, I never saw him be mean to anybody. You know how comics are. Yeah, so yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. And Nobody, anybody would come up, take a picture with him off the street. He'd do it. You know, just things that we would get annoyed at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he always did it. So, and just a generous. Like decent, you know, and decent to everyone. Yeah, most generous guy in the world. It must have been a pain in the ass to be that recognizable, um, and all the because Margaret, you get people all the time that want to come talk to you, but he he has everyone mm -hmm. everywhere huge. he goes. It's but huge. you never saw you, I saw him here at Comedy Day where they yeah. shit like they were annoying me the way they were annoying to him, but he was not annoyed by it. Right, right. Mm -hmm. To show you how big he was, I saw him up. He did a show up in Napa about four years ago. He's getting ready for some tour. And after already did a meet and greet with the crowd, a woman had flown in from Iran to see really? him. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm playing roosters that week, and I can't get people from Fremont to come over. <laughs> people are flying halfway around the world. And then for a woman to fly out of Iran. By herself. Right? It's kind of like, you know, but she had to leave the daughter there, right? <laughs> she, she faced the death penalty when she got back. Woman, unsupervised women. <laughs> That leads to unsupervised lesbians and uh, all kinds of things. <laughs> oh my God! But, but Larry, you you uh, you you uh, I don't know when when did you first uh, be aware of? I worked with Bubs 
because I'd met you up here in the in the Bay Area, but we worked with Slayton a few times. We worked with Slayton. At I worked the, at the Improvs back when the Improvs were clubs that comedians worked. I worked with you in the Brea Improv in November of '92. Yeah, with Bobby. That was with Bobby. In the afternoon, we went over and saw that shitty movie, Sneakers. Remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we also saw Bugsy that week too. Bugsy. <laughs> With uh, Warren Beatty and Annette uh, Benning. Yeah. We have the weirdest two strange memories of, of, of uh, trivial bullshit. Well, that you doesn't guys matter. have. You got, no, it's not trivial. It's like you guys remember you remember the, f- the past. That's that was a great good. week, though, working with Bobby. Remember I do remember a, that. He was having an argument with his wife on the phone. Uh huh. And then he went on stage. He goes, my, my fucking wife is a cunt. That was his <laughs> opening line. And the show was being reviewed. <laughs> and there was a review that came out the next day. And everybody's like, oh, it's going to be bad. And he comes in and goes, that fucking guy gets me. That fucking person he understand and I asked Bobby about that a couple of months ago uh-huh. he goes yeah that was the best review I ever got <laughs> so that's 22 years ago but then My he, God. he came off stage and he would throw bubs against the wall now when bubs came off stage and, and Larry was coming up I was hosting he'd um, pin me against the he'd wall he'd pin you against the wall and like kiss you on the face yeah yeah oh. just because he knew my germ phobia <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't see how women kiss men they're very scratchy no, they are scratchy. Yeah. He's a scratchy guy. I love him. Do you think he'll be? He's not going to be here today. Will I he? don't think so. No. I mm. love him. I miss him. I know you love everyone. I do. I'm a loving lady. You look great. Thank you. You so look you. like you look younger than the last time I saw you. That's a nice You're thing regressing. To say. I hope so. Oh man. I hope so. Well, I want to see your set, and I hope you feel better. Okay. Well, I've uh, achieved everything I wanted. So, in '92 with you, I was a middle act, and now I'm still a middle. <laughs> I'm the world's oldest middle act. <laughs> I had lofty goals, so. Uh, but we're doing you, your uh, series now. Yeah. We're, you and I. We're gonna try to get that off the ground. I don't know, but it seems impossible. Yeah, it's really funny though. It is funny, the Bobby Bitter cartoon. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's and great. You, I'm you, playing suck suck. You play suck suck, Bobby's <laughs> Korean War Bride. Because that's how we met. Is when I think I was like 18 or 19. You snuck into a show at the USA. Yeah. <laughs> and Bobby. And your name translated loosely means suck two times. <laughs> suck, suck. <laughs> translate <laughs> loosely. Loosely. <laughs> loosely translated. This is not definitive, but uh, it's roughly. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I'm so out of it. I, don't know. I know, but I want you to feel better, and I'm, I'm looking forward to your performance. Oh, thank I'm looking forward to you guys, too. Well, I love you, Larry. Well, Everybody so check out Larry Brown. Check I, out I met Margaret when she was online. a newbie. Yeah, when did you meet? When did you first meet Margaret? Uh, we were going over. T- we did some gig right after the earthquake. We had to take. Remember, we took Bart over to Tommy T's. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for some reason, the phrase "big cock comedy," "big cock confidence" yeah. came up. Yes. BCC, and you kept <laughs> say, we kept saying that on Bart. And it was freaking Feldman out. Yeah. Me and you and Feldman were on Bart going you guys over to Tommy out T's. Feldman. Yeah. Yeah. You so know why? You know why Feldman was taking Bart? What? Because Jim Earl had, had kicked him out kicked of that car. Kicked him out car. of the car. <laughs> <laughs> we heard another story from For Jim Earl how he, kicked, he kicked David Feldman out of the car. <laughs> he kept flicking in his ear. <laughs> he kept flicking his ear, and he, well, he kept saying, "Drive, drive, puppet." <laughs> <That's what he laughs> that was it, right? Yeah, that was I remember it. that. Yeah. Drive, and so then puppet. he was relegated to Bart. Yeah, twenty and, uh, quarter century gone by. Wow. Yeah. But big cock comedy. Big cock comedy. Big cock confidence. Big cock confidence. Yeah. It was so funny. Oh, oh, let's talk to Tom Sawyer. You got a lot of uh, celebrities lined up here. Yeah, Should I, I pass? I'll pass the infected microphone to Tom. Yes. <laughs> Tom, Thanks, you're Larry. next. Come on in. Thanks for having me, Thanks, kids. Bob. Thanks, Larry. We have here uh, at Comedy Day a good friend of mine. 
somebody I respect and love dearly, and one of the few people I'm actually, and I'm not bullshitting you, you know that, Yeah. I, that I'm really thrilled to see today, Tom Sawyer. Yeah, actually, uh, the same goes for you. No, there's, I, like a, there's like a handful of people, that, oh, this is nice, I mean, uh, I'm glad it's great to see, I'm glad to see them, Yeah. but it's Tom great. is... Uh, it's great to see, uh, you know, uh, John Means, Dr. Dr. Gonzo. Yeah, Dr. Right? Gonzo. Yeah, one of the nicest guys ever in uh -huh. comedy. You know, no drama, Mr. No Drama right. whatsoever. Hilarious, yeah. good bloke, yeah. no rubbish. No rubbish. Great to work with. Yeah. Tom, you, you, well, you booked and owned one of the legendary comedy clubs, not only in San Francisco, but in the country, in the world. In the world. Yeah, in the world. Well respected. How did that start out? Cobb's Comedy Club. Uh, was in was in the original location. The original location was Chestnut Street and uh, just a small room that was uh, probably over uh, rated for capacity at 110 seats. <laughs> but we stuck in a hundred about 130 people when we were sold out. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, when I came to the city. I actually came to the city to do stand up, and then. Um, and started going to Cobbs because nobody was there and you could get stage time because everybody wanted to go to places where there where it was, was packed. The other and, was and the, other, the, the, the Holy City Zoo, places, the Punchline. Yeah. So Cobbs was a place where you literally at times had to wait for another comic to show up to get off stage. Uh -huh. you, you were pan uh, really? panicking <laughs> you because you were out of material and you had to, you're like 13 people in the audience and you would get, a, you would, somebody would yell out they're on their way, you know, okay. somebody from the zoo would be on their way. So in the sense it was, you were, you were getting like five minutes at other clubs. So at Cobbs, you could get like 20 minutes, sometimes a half an hour. Which mm -hmm. is so important yes, to really to, to grow. To yeah. grow, yeah. So, um, and the guy who was booking Cobbs uh, was, uh, had been fired from the Holy City Zoo. He was really not a guy that worked in the marina he was like a barker on broadway in a <laughs> front of a strip club you know right. comedy comedy oh is that comedy. john cantu john cantu yeah oh my god uh, yeah the, yeah uh and creeping everybody out and hitting on everybody well, hitting all the had, waitresses he had the if you hit on a hundred women one will say yes yeah so every yeah, hundred he, yes one <laughs> yeah, would say okay that we, we were all like john yeah but unfortunately you just creep the hell out of uh, 99 other women right. yeah who are and, and 10 of them are pressing charges right right <laughs> so so he got fired and, and I kept just kept telling the owner that I could I could do a better job and he said, here's what I would do and mm -hmm. he let me he, he gave me a shot at it and we went from I think the place was running at about like 20 25 percent capacity and we and uh, within a year I had it at, a, at about 80 85 percent capacity yeah so, and it was just, it was just bringing in my favorite comics that I'd seen on television, Rick Overton's, Bob Saget's, Kevin Nealon, you mm -hmm. know, I brought, I started bringing all those guys in mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, picking out and supporting local comics that were, uh, really smart and clever and original. You yeah. had a real great eye and you, the, the great thing about you is you put an, an amazing show together, a show that built, people don't look at the show as a whole as much anymore. You from top to bottom. It, Even on it showcase nights, it was really important from for me to set the table for somebody, not right. not not to not to put him in a position to fail, right. yeah. but to, yeah, yeah, to put him yeah. into a position to succeed. And not everybody understood that either, the method of it either, you know. But um, but and you, I've sat around with you so many times over the years, but you've told me so many, there's so many great stories. Um, but you were you the first guy to bring Kinison up here? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I saw him in L.A. Rob Becker actually is one that uh, from uh, defending the caveman fan, <laughs> who who uh, yeah. who uh, turned me on to Sam. He saw him and he said, "You got to see this guy." Mm -hmm. yeah. And I was uh, and I went to the comedy store and I saw Sam. I saw Sam have uh, um, just a 
uh, an amazing set one night, and that's that's when I booked him. And I saw him again the next night because I wanted to see him again. And he had an awful set that scared me a little bit because I already after the first night I said, <laughs> already uh-huh. made the offer. Right? Not only, yeah, not only did I make the offer. Now he was a guy nobody knew. This was before Letterman Saturday Night Live, before yeah. everything that made him click into what he what he was. Nobody knew him. He was just yeah. he was just out of Houston, you know, uh, with Bill Hicks and all those guys, outlaws. Yeah, and uh, he was just the most amazing terrifying charismatic comic I've ever seen I offered him two weeks to play cops or two weeks it was the first time I ever did that like mm-hmm. a back-to-back week back-to-back yeah. Yeah. back-to-back like weeks. a two-week run yeah yeah and I just felt like this guy is uh, the, the most amazing original comic I've ever seen and, and to this day when people ask me who was the best com- best the best show ever at Cobbs and that that was Sam Mm-hmm. Sam was because it was just before he got famous. It was before when he was still uh, hungry and a, mm-hmm. and, a, and a genius and was writing like a madman. Yeah. yeah, I mean he came up with bits just on being you know in San Francisco. We had a donut on Chestnut uh, Street. We had a, a donut shop right next door to us, Happy Donuts, mm-hmm. and uh, and he came up with a bit based on the guy behind the counter being a, working working a graveyard shift, being fifty years old. Yeah, and and uh, and they're going, boy, they, there's a guy who's made a lot of wrong turns in his life. <laughs> you know, I just see, it. I just don't want to go in there one night and he just pulls out a gun from behind the counter, and starts spinning like a whirling dervish, going, I'm not what Daddy wanted. I'm not what Daddy wanted. And I'm sitting there with a crawler and a head wound. <laughs> and it was just just amazing. to see somebody create like that. Oh, I know. On stage, and you know that you, that it's all just come out organically out of that. And, and a brilliant mind. It, it, the, the the shame of Sam Kennison is that uh, when you're doing that, when you're doing that crazy amount of drugs, yeah. when you're the guy that's always pushing it for like, oh, you guys are all pussies, oh. right, right. And you, you have know? to live. He he became he became his own I worst thing nightmare. That he had to live up to almost yeah. like a like a, a myth and a legend. Because he was so brilliant, and then became the the you know the rock guy and the whatever and everything. And when do you write new material? Him. When you're com- when you're coming down from being stoned, or when you're mm-hmm. completely stoned? I mean, he he started just doing this misogynistic, awful material that was like feeding to the lowest common denominator. These the the id of ma- of of men. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was just this ugly place that he only scratched the surface of before mm-hmm. but he was still compassion there there was still there was still something yeah. you that, felt for the guy who got who got so uh, badly screwed over by his wife but then it went beyond that well, he to got, just he this got other badly thing. screwed over by life dude yeah. i mean he was a mm-hmm. but i mean he was, in a, his, he was act, a child you believed in even, that guy yeah evangelist right yeah i mean he one night when we were all kind of sitting around and drinking and he was doing tons of blow but he actually went on stage and Performed one of his, uh, you know, how he would perform in tents mm-hmm. as a kid. He was like, he was like nine years old performing, yeah, you know. Yeah, and and that does that just doesn't come out of you. You, no, that's beaten into you, right? <laughs> yeah, that's you know, true. You know, the, the hand of God is beaten. You know, and that and, and that's where that whole persona came from. Mm-hmm. That whole persona came exactly. from that. You know, because evangelicals are sort of like auctioneers mm-hmm. uh-huh. for God. Yeah, you yeah. know. You be blessed by the Holy Spirit. And you, be, you know, do I, do I hear a Holy Spirit? Do I hear a, a, a mother? A, a whatever they believe in, I don't know. I'm, I'm such an ex-Catholic. I don't even know what what we it <laughs> any, is we of, used to, any of the terminology. Yeah, I was completely anymore. lost from the word go. But it, you, you really had a great hand in creating. I think that you were like a real tastemaker for a lot of us who were developing our taste. And I remember the um, people like I saw there. Oh, I worked there 
a, you know, like I remember opening for like things or doing things and like uh, there was, that was where I would see Jim Carrey or see Proops do a long set. That was like the one place where you could see Proops headline or um, who, who, or Dana Gould. Dana Gould. Dana Gould was yeah. major too. Like that was a... Uh, one of the breakthroughs. You know the great thing, because when you moved to San Francisco or whatever, when you started out as an opener and moved to middle to headliner, one of the greatest things was on the first night you headlined, Tom would introduce you. And you would give the basically like, it was basically your endorsement of like, this person right. has here's graduated why, here's to why, this yeah, rank. Here's why and this person is It here. was so great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got that and it was it meant so much. But that was a really cool thing because you actually really cared about the show and the comics. And not that people in the town and other no, people in the town didn't, but you felt like it was like uh, it was like it really was like graduation. Yeah. Well, for and you lo- earned it. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand that. If, well, you know, people, especially people that I didn't book or 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 got mm-hmm. hurt feelings by, you know, my taste. And uh, but I really was trying to steer people in a direction where they could succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I try to, to, to take people and point out roads of success here. You're like the, this comic and this comic and this comic, you need to be more, more like them and less like these other comics who yeah. are, have for various reasons are, are failing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it was more, I took a more of a coaching technique and then later yeah. on, even more of a, I was a little more aggressive about it in the beginning and then later a little bit more, um, you know, in the, in the wings. Cause I didn't, I, I get the impression from other people that they were, their feelings were getting hurt when I was <laughs> being a little direct about how I was, well, I the was, thing was, is, was, the, was trying the, to coach them. Well, you didn't, you didn't do it to every, to, uh, Sometimes you knew not to tell somebody something. I remember, and I won't say the name uh, on on the show, but I'll say it off, and I'll edit it out. People would come up and showcase for you because you had such a reputation, and people wanted to do well. I once saw Josh DiDonato chase you around Cobbs to ask you how he did, and Jesus, did he make a mistake because you told him? <laughs> oh yeah, and it was like you didn't want to tell him. No. His, I don't think you're ready, and 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 it's you know somebody has to tell him this, but you weren't going to tell him this. He made you tell him, and holy shit, it was uncomfortable being there that night. But at the same time, he asked for it, and yeah. you're not going to bullshit somebody. No, no. If you want to know what I really think, I'm going to tell you what I really think. But that's why I was. But I would warn ask. people. I would warn people. I go, look, you know, you're not ready to. I don't think you're ready yet to hear what I have to say. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I'll let you know when I think you are. And they were like, no, no, no. I really want to <laughs> hear what you I have saw to a say. few yeah. people actually do that. Yeah. Um, but I, I say, have, okay, well, buckle up. Here it comes. I have but to that's say, a gift. The honesty is a gift. And you obviously know what you're talking about. You have a great, great eye. And you have a great, great understanding of the art form. And you you are just trying to help them. Because it's hard from inside of the comedian. It's very hard to be objective and to know what you're doing yeah. sometimes. Yeah, it really, it really is. And, and, and uh, that's why I know, I mean, when people ask me about stand-up, I always say it's the hardest it's the hardest art form there is because there's mm. no net, and you can understand yeah. why a lot of comedians are so narcissistic because it's uh, you're it's survival of the fittest on stage. You're you you have to go on 
stage for the allotted amount of time that you have to work. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's funny. You get to a little bit do more time. And sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. But there are, there are, uh, and, and hopefully a lot of times it's a pleasure. But there mm-hmm. are some times where it's actually, especially in the beginning, where it's, oh, my God, you can just, the seconds are just just ticking like for yeah. I- infinity. You know, every <laughs> yeah, second yeah, is yeah. just like, oh, my God, can this please end? And you have to understand that when you get past that point where you can actually perform and enjoy and, and it's pleasure being on stage, it, it's, it, it's a whole mm-hmm. nother realm uh, in, in your mind. And for a lot of people, they don't, they, they don't, that's the hardest time to take criticism because you think you're rocking it and you yeah. own it. And, yeah. and there are, but there are still little things that are missing in your act that take you to the next level to take you to an even higher level. Mm-hmm. A good example of that is Louis CK. Mm-hmm. Now, Louis was like Louis was a headliner mm-hmm. at Cobb's in, in in the um, in the '90s, and he was great. But he wasn't nowhere near what he is right now because mm-hmm. what was missing was the honesty factor, that real factor, uh-huh. like waking up in the morning and noticing something and making it funny on your terms. Mm-hmm. It was observations, things that didn't even happen to him, funny ideas in his head that he made funny, but they weren't real. Mm-hmm. So there was there was no right. connection between him and the audience. Mm-hmm. There was no. These are funny ideas, but they're not things that actually did happen to you. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why when somebody, there's some comics that try to be dark, and there's a difference between trying to be dark and having, uh, and, and taking a situation and making it crazy, something that would never happen yeah. or exist, just to try to ruffle people's feathers. Yeah. And then taking, or taking a situation that actually does happen, actually does exist, and then do, talking about something that actually did happen. Yeah, so, yeah. it, and, and that's that's what I always preach to comics was, be true and honest to yourself, mm-hmm. because nobody can take that away from you. Mm-hmm. If any, if I hear yeah. somebody stealing material from you, they're stealing material from you because it's generic. Right. They can take it because it's 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 something that is not something that actually happened to you, actually pertained to what you're doing. Right. And, and they can grab it. They can grab it from you, but. You know, there there are so many bits from so many great comedians that nobody can take because it's just it, they they know right away. They don't even yeah, have to. Yeah. They, they they know it's that's not you. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. You, you yeah. can't you can't you can't bullshit. Yeah. Uh, right, especially right. people in the comedy community. You know? No. Yeah. No. It's true. You go on the road and you come back with 15 minutes of new material, <laughs> which happened <laughs> a lot, right? <laughs> uh, one thing that was amazing that you, the actually, the atmosphere that you set up was you, you allowing people the chance to go up there and fail a bit. Because I that's how you that. kind of learned because yeah. you needed to go up there and not rock the house every time I with would, what you I would, could do. I would really stress it, to that, people to do new material, constantly do material. Oh, that's a great set, but uh, isn't that the same, same material you did last time you were here? Yeah. You know? And that was the whole idea of starting when, you, when I was starting, to, especially in the showcase nights, having somebody close the show was to go on and I want you to go up there and, and push the envelope. Yeah. I, want, I want you to go out there and do things that are out of your comfort zone. Because you're never going to know where the line is until you actually cross it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, With the audience, with yourself, you know, to challenge yourself, to don't worry about failing. You're already here. I'm putting you, you're closing the show. Yeah. Don't worry but about you it. Don't, you know, that's yeah. the thing because that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. There is very little of that. There's, it's really hard to develop anymore and it's a whole different Well, it's terrible scene, actually. You know, it but, sucks. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I hate to say that in a weird way that 
when Cobbs expanded to uh, Columbus and Lombard, that was uh, the worst thing for me was losing the showcase nights. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I and also losing three nights. I don't mean to yeah. interrupt, but three nights of quality stage time, which this is in the middle location at the most magical space ever for comedy. I think there was something about that space. And there was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday were showcase nights, and you you could not even put a price on how amazing that stage time is. Now to think now that you could do that, it's it's unfathomable. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the and thing that was I, gone. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the thing I hated about the two things I hated about the lo location Cobbs is currently at is one is it stopped lending itself to just being just having great comics on stage. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it all of a sudden became about it. It, it, it became Numbers. about selling tel yeah. tickets. Absolutely, because it was the overhead in that room. You have to you have to bring in ninety thousand dollars a month mm -hmm. just to break even. Yeah, mm -hmm. ninety thousand dollars. So you a can't month. be as as eclectic I, I, in yeah, your booking anymore. I could anymore, take yeah. a sold out weekend at Cobb's uh, in the Cannery, that location, and bring it over to this location, and I, it would actually. I'm, with accounting figures, it would be a loss. Mm -hmm. We would have well, we'd have lost about four or five thousand. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. and, and so I had to bring on in people that I hated. Mm -hmm. The people that oh god, it was the worst thing ever. It was like it was it was like <laughs> yeah. It was actually it's some somebody says to you you have to eat McDonald's in, in order to survive. <laughs> <laughs> so I had these go. comics. Technically, that, you'll still be alive. Yeah, you'll be so malnourished. And it's and and I really it's almost like I wish I could have done. It was like in in a in a way, Margaret, like your generation kind of got. I got ignored at my club because we were we at our peak and we had, you know, Jim Carrey and Bill Maher and George Wallace and Paula Poundstone and Jake Johansson and Greg Proops and yeah. all these people were headlining. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I have, to, I have to say from a strictly a business level, that's where I think Jeff Wills did an amazing thing it, 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 where when John Fox lost his job and Jeff Wills, who is currently the head of is, is Live Nation Comedy, mm -hmm. it, it, uh, he instead of trying to compete with me when I was at my peak, he nurtured mm -hmm. people like yourself. He did yeah. he, he did exactly what yeah, I was doing really prior did. to that. He, he did. really did. And that's why I think Jeff's uh, in a, in an amazing uh, I love Jeff too, yeah. And a, great, and a very honest guy and a guy mm -hmm. that's been great for talent because he did the same thing that that I did. And it was funny because then when the bottom fell out of comedy in the in the early 90s mm -hmm. I had to do what he did to me again so we start I started the next generation right. uh, yes, uh, yeah. underneath that you right. know the Greg Barrett's the, uh, the Pat Oswald right. yeah Arges uh, you, you you know right and uh, right. so all, Clark so, Taylor yeah I mean, so, so all many, uh, it, it was this just kind of traded back and forth it yeah. was cyclical what was really yeah. wonderful about you is that you really showed us what taste should be, what, what you, you would bring in people. And then I, it's like the one place you could go on the weekend and, you know, there would always be comics standing in the back, kind of by the hall where the waitress would go in and go out. You could stand there and just like watch. And I remember seeing, uh, well, I remember seeing Mark Maron and uh, Brett Butler making out there one time. That was weird. <laughs> Oh but, God! That's <laughs> I think I just did the old, old joke, a little throw up in my mouth there. Yeah, that was really that's, that was weird. But but I I, I remember seeing like Norm Macdonald there, like yeah. and and um, Drake Sather, you know, all the yeah. like the willowy brunettes of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Dana Dana's not so willowy. Who do you think your favorite was from that era? Uh, well, I love Ghoul. Uh, you know, Patton. Patton's um, wonderful. Um, uh, Greg, yeah, Proops, Proops, yeah, 
there's so many really it was, yeah. it was, Greg Barrett you know watching Greg develop as a as a comic I remember amazing. one time busting his balls I was sitting back there we would count people as they come in the door we have a clicker so I'd always go to the go to the front and say how many we have to show and you were supposed to click people as they came in so oh we got 150 great so so when I took the clicker and I watched Greg Barrett set this is when he was featuring and I came back and I, and I showed him I said 62 and he goes what's that and I go that's the number of times in, in a 25 minute set you said fuck Oh my god! Sixty-two, <laughs> dude. You said fucking, fucking, fuck one time. <gasps> oh my god! I didn't even know what you were talking about. You, <laughs> like, I think you inhaled. A, actually, when you took a breath, inhaled a breath, you said fuck once. Is <laughs> a I, he has a record? Yeah, absolutely. Baron yeah. owns the record for most fucks in a set. <laughs> that's amazing. I know. In comedy, that's really amazing. <laughs> that's really wild. I feel like you know there was yeah there's so many great comics that that came out of stuff like even just the showcase nights like raleigh moe yeah well raleigh had some you know I, raleigh's another guy i god I, you know there's so many of those guys i really wanted i did see the brilliance of them i saw that and you do, there's that just that thing that they can't that it can't translate it can't go to the next level but those those magical moments when audiences were when audiences got it, when yeah. you when when the guy that you really were trying to champion so hard, yeah. and the audience got it, that was amazing. I mean, they were they're just we were talking about this earlier, just just having a conversation. All the people in comedy, the there's a great people, the people that succeed, the people that really work their ass off. Maybe not the most talented people in the world, but they understand how comedy works and they get it, mm-hmm. and and they make a really good career out of stand up, mm-hmm. and they still keep growing. But you know, it's maybe a slower pace than other people. Mm-hmm. And then there are the people that the geniuses that just can't get out of their own way. Yeah, I mean, brilliant people that made us. Cr- I mean. Clark Taylor, I love Clark Taylor. Yeah, he's one great. of my favorite comics ever. Mm-hmm. When Clark was on, nobody funnier. Yeah, nobody funnier. Kevin Rooney's another great example. A guy oh, that he's great. you know, it, it, brilliant. Yeah, I could sit and listen to Kevin talk, pull up a chair, just like I paid a ticket. Yeah, and and, and yet when. It, on stage, he could not. I mean, he he would rock the room, but he, he just couldn't bring it to the next level or to that or level. Or every night at this at that same yeah. level sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and um, or had the passion or whatever it is. But there's there's so many comics that, that there's look. Everybody brings their emotional baggage to their profession, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And and for some people, they're they're a f- very fortunate to make that work for them yeah. and for other people it works against them mm-hmm. you know and then there's other people who are just not funny mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately yeah, so yeah yeah this was and, a, and there's a, a few but, that, but, 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 but at that point where you're getting to Cobbs it's like you're already funny you're obviously proved yourself it's obviously a place though that you can make what you already have that much better and exponentially better you know and that's what was important about Cobbs and important about your your position in comedy and how we develop there's like a finishing yeah. school or a um college or a doctorate where you go yeah. for it you know yeah and that's the thing i felt that was really important for me was not to, if somebody was like if somebody was slacking off if somebody was like not 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 it, you know that i knew their potential i could see their potential and they and they were just coasting yeah you know that's when i could kind of get you know like jab them a bit right. because it was like dude it's you good. have you you have the potential to be yeah. the person who fills 2,000 seats every er, you know every night yeah uh, and and here you are you're just 
you're 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 coasting. You're not challenging yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. You're not taking the it to the next level. What's well, great that you did that because no nobody does that. Who's going to do that? Like nobody's going to do that. That really it really bothers me. It really bugs me. Like, nobody's going to do that. In co- I mean, well, who, you know. You gave me so much stage time and gave me so many chances, and I learned to headline on on your stage, and just the support that you gave me. I can't even thank you enough for that. But um, I just want to say thank you. Yeah, you're well, man. You're welcome. And thanks to everyone for listening to our Comedy Day episode from San Francisco. You can tweet me at Margaret Cho. Where can they tweet you, Jim? At Jimmy Shelter. You can tweet us at Monsters of Talk. You can um, listen to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com. You can subscribe on iTunes. We love our listeners. Um, we are the Monsters of Talk, and we will talk to you next time.